Welcome to an Uvula Audio production of Volume 6 of the Sea Fairies. Chapter 12 The Enchanted Island. All at once it grew dark about them. Neither Captain Bill nor Trot liked this gloom, for it made them nervous not to be able to see their enemies. We must be near a sea cavern, if not within one, whispered Princess Clea. Even as she spoke, the network of scarlet arms parted before them, leaving an avenue for them to swim out of the cage. There was brighter water ahead, too, so the Queen said without hesitation, Come along, dear friends, but let us clasp hands and keep close together. They obeyed her commands and swam swiftly out of their prison and into the clear water before them, glad to put a distance between themselves and the loathsome sea-devils. The monsters made no attempt to follow them, but they burst into a chorus of harsh laughter which warned our friends that they had not yet accomplished their escape. The four now found themselves in a broad, rocky passage, which was dimly lit from some unknown source. The walls overhead, below them, and at the sides all glistened as if made of silver, and in places were set small statues of birds, beasts, and fishes, occupying niches in the walls, and seemingly made from the same glistening material. The queen swam more slowly, now that the sea-devils had been left behind, and she looked exceedingly grave and thoughtful. "'Have you ever been here before?' asked Trot. "'No, dear,' said the queen with a sigh. "'And do you know where we are?' continued the girl. "'I can guess. There is only one place in all the sea where such a passage as that that we are in could exist without my knowledge, and that is in the hidden dominions of Zog. If we are indeed in the power of that fearful magician, we must summon all our courage to resist him, or we are lost. Is Zog more powerful than the mermaids? asked Trot anxiously. I do not know, for we have never before met to measure our strength, answered Aquarain. But if King Anko could defeat the magician, as surely he did, then I think I shall be able to do so as well. I wish I was sure of it, muttered Captain Bill. Absolute silence reigned in the silver passage. No fish were there. Not even a sea-flower grew to relieve the stern grandeur of this vast corridor. Trot began to be impressed with the fact that she was a good way from her home and mother, and she wondered if she would ever get back again to the white cottage on the cliff. Here she was, at the bottom of the great ocean, swimming through a big tunnel that had an enchanted castle at one end and a group of horrible sea-devils at the other. In spite of this thought, she was not very much afraid. Although two fairy mermaids were her companions, she relied, strange to say, more upon her tried-and-true friend, Captain Bill, than upon her newer acquaintances, to see her safely out of her present troubles. Captain Bill himself did not feel very confident. I don't care two cents what becomes of me, he told Princess Clea in a low voice, but I'm dreadful worried over Trot. She's too sweet and too young to be made an end of in this ere fashion. Clea smiled at the speech. I'm sure you will find the little girl's end a very good way off, she replied. 
Trust to our powerful Queen and be sure she will find some means for all of us to escape uninjured. The light grew brighter as they advanced, until finally they perceived a magnificent archway ahead of them. Aqua Rain hesitated a moment whether to go on or turn back, but there was no escaping the sea devils behind them, and she decided the best way out of their difficulties was to bravely face the unknown Zog, and rely upon her fairy powers to prevent his doing any mischief to herself or her friends. So she led the way, and together they approached the archway and passed through it. They now found themselves in a vast cavern, so great in extent that the dome overhead looked like the sky when seen from the earth. In the center of this immense sea cavern rose the towers of a splendid castle, all built of coral inlaid with silver, and having windows of clear glass. Surrounding the castle were beds of beautiful sea-flowers, many being in full bloom, and these were laid out with great care in artistic designs. Goldfish and silverfish darted here and there among the foliage, and the whole scene was so pretty and peaceful that Trot began to doubt there was any danger lurking in such a lovely place. As they paused to look around, a brilliantly colored gregfish approached and gazed at them curiously with his big saucer-like eyes. So, Zog got you at last, he said in a pitying tone. How foolish you were to swim into this part of the sea where he is so powerful. The sea devils made us, explained Clea. Well, I'm sorry for you, I'm sure, remarked the Greg, and with a flash of his tail he disappeared among the sea foliage. Let us go to the castle, said the queen in a determined voice. We may as well boldly defy our fate as we wait until Zog seeks us out. So they swam to the entrance of the castle. The doors stood wide open, and the interior seemed as well lit as the cavern itself, although none of them could discover from whence the light came. At each side of the entrance lay a fish such as they had never seen before. It was flat as a doormat, and seemed to cling fast to the coral floor, Upon its back were quills like those of a porcupine, all pointed and sharp. From the center of the fish arose a head shaped like a round ball with a circle of piercing bead-like eyes set in it. These strange guardians of the entrance might be able to talk and to tell what their numerous eyes saw, yet they remained silent and watchful. Even Aqua Rain gazed upon them curiously, and she gave a little shudder as she did so. Inside the entrance was a domed hall, with a flight of stairs leading to an upper balcony. Around the hall were several doorways, hung with curtains made of woven seaweed. Chairs and benches stood against the wall, and these astonished the visitors because neither stairs nor chairs seemed useful in a kingdom where every living thing was supposed to swim or have a fish's tail. In Queen Aqua Rain's palaces, benches for reclining were used, and stairs were wholly unnecessary. But in the palace of Zog, the furniture and fittings were much like those of a house upon earth, 
and except that every space here was filled with water instead of air, Trot and Captain Bill might have imagined themselves in a handsome earthly castle. The little group paused half fearfully in the hall, yet so far there was surely nothing to be afraid of. They were wondering what to do next when the curtains of an archway were pushed aside, and a boy entered. To Trot's astonishment, he had legs, and walked upon them naturally and with perfect ease. He was a delicate, frail-looking fellow, dressed in a black velvet suit with knee-breeches. The bows at his throat and knees were of colored seaweeds and woven into broad ribbons. His hair was yellow and banged across his forehead. His eyes were large and dark, with a pleasant, merry sparkle in them. Around his neck he wore a high ruff, but in spite of this Trot could see that below his plump cheeks were several scarlet-edged slits that looked like the gills of fishes, for they gently opened and closed as the boy breathed in the water by which he was surrounded. These gills did not greatly mar the lad's delicate beauty, and he spread out his arms and bowed low and gracefully in greeting. "'Hello,' said Trot. "'Well, I'd like to,' replied the boy with a laugh. "'But merely being a slave, it isn't proper for me to say hello. "'But it's good to see people again. I'm glad you're here.' "'We're not glad,' observed the girl. "'We're afraid.' "'You'll get over that,' declared the boy smilingly. "'People lose a lot of time being afraid. "'Once I was myself afraid, but I found it was no fun.' so I gave it up. Why were we brought here? inquired Queen Aquarine gently. I can't say, madam, being merely a slave, replied the boy. But you have reminded me of my errand. I was sent to inform you all that Zog the Forsaken, who hates all the world, and is hated by all the world, commands your presence in his den. Do you hate Zog, too? asked Trot. Oh, no, answered the boy. People lose a lot of time in hating others, and there's no fun in it at all. Zog may be hateful, but I'm not going to waste time hating him. You may do so, though, if you like. You are a queer child, remarked the Mermaid Queen, looking at him attentively. Will you tell us who you are? Once I was Prince Sako, of Sakoraniola land, which is a sweet country but hard to pronounce, he answered. But in this domain I have but one title and one name, and that is Slave. How came you to be Zog's slave? asked Clea. The funniest adventure you ever heard of, asserted the boy with eager pride. I sailed in a ship that went to pieces in a storm. All on board were drowned but me, and I came mighty near it to tell you the truth. I went down deep, deep, deep into the sea, and at the bottom was Zog, watching the people drown. I tumbled on his head, and he grabbed and saved me, saying I would make a useful slave. By his magic power, he made me able to live under water, as the fishes live, and he brought me to his castle, and taught me to wait upon him, as his other slaves do. Isn't that a dreadful lonely life? asked Trot. No, indeed, said Sako. We haven't any time to be lonely, and the dreadful things Zog does are very exciting and amusing, I assure you. He keeps us guessing every minute, and that makes life here interesting. 
Things were getting a bit slow an hour ago, but now that you're here, I'm in hopes we will all be kept busy and amused for some time. Are there many others in the castle besides you and Zog? asked Aquilraine. Dozens of us, perhaps hundreds. I've never counted them, said the boy. But Zog is the only master, and all the rest of us are in the same class, so there is no jealousy among the slaves. What is Zog like? Captain Bill questioned. At this the boy laughed, and the laugh was full of mischief. If I could tell you what Zog is like, it would take me a year, was the reply. But I can't tell you. Everyone has a different idea of what he's like, and soon you will see him yourselves. Are you fond of him? asked Trot. If I said yes, I'd get a good whipping, declared Sako. I am commanded to hate Zog, and being a good servant I try to obey. If anyone dared to like Zog, I am sure he'd be instantly fed to the turtles. So I advise you not to like him. Oh, we won't, promised Trot. But we're keeping the master waiting, and that is also a dangerous thing to do, continued the boy. If we don't hurry up, Zog will begin to smile, and when he smiles, there's trouble brewing. The queen sighed. Lead the way, Sako, she said. We will follow. The boy bowed again, and going to an archway held aside the curtains for them. They first swam into a small anteroom, which led into a long corridor, at the end of which was another curtained arch. Through this, Sako also guided them, and now they found themselves in a cleverly constructed maze. Every few feet were twists and turns and sharp corners, and sometimes the passage would be wide, and again so narrow that they could just squeeze through in single file. "'Seems like we're getting further into the trap,' growled Captain Bill. "'We couldn't find our way out of here to save our lives.' "'Oh, yes, we could,' replied Clea, who was just behind him. "'Such a maze may indeed puzzle you, but the Queen or I could lead you safely through again. I assure you, Zog is not so clever as he thinks himself.' The sailor, however, found the maze very bewildering, and so did Trot. Passages ran in every direction, crossing and recrossing, and it seemed wonderful that the boy Sako knew just wh which way to go. But he never hesitated an instant. Trot looked carefully to see if there were any marks to guide him, but every wall was of plain, polished marble, and every turning looked just like all the others. Suddenly, Sako stopped short. They were now in a broader passage, but as they gathered around their conductor, they found further advance blocked. Solid walls faced them, and here the corridor seemed to end. "'Enter!' cried a clear voice. "'But we can't!' protested Trot. "'Swim straight ahead,' whispered the boy in soft tones. "'There's no real barrier before you. Your eyes are merely deceived by magic.' "'Ah, I understand.' said Aqua Rain, nodding her pretty head, and she took Mary's hand and swam boldly forward, while Captain Bill followed holding the hand of Clea. And behold, the marble wall melted away before them, and they found themselves in a chamber more splendid than even the fairy mermaids had ever seen before. Chapter 13 Prisoners of the Sea Monster the room in the enchanted castle, which Zog called his den, 
and in which the wicked sea monster passed most of his time, was a perfectly shaped dome of solid gold. The upper part of this dome was thickly set with precious jewels, diamonds, rubies, sapphires, and emeralds, which sparkled beautifully through the crystal water. The lower walls were as thickly studded with pearls, all being of perfect shape and color. Many of the pearls were larger than any which may be found upon the earth, for the sea people know where to find the very best, and hide them away where men cannot discover them. The golden floor was engraved with designs of rare beauty, depicting not only sea life but many adventures upon land. In the room were several large golden cabinets, the doors of which were closed and locked, and in addition to the cabinets there were tables, chairs, sofas, the latter upholstered with the softest sealskins. Handsome rugs of exquisitely woven seaweeds were scattered about, the colors of which were artistically blended together. In one corner a fountain of air bubbled up through the water. The entire room was lit as brilliantly as if exposed to the direct rays of the sun, yet where this light came from our friends could not imagine. No lamp or other similar device was visible anywhere. The strangers at first scarcely glanced at all at these beautiful things, for in an easy chair sat Zog himself, more wonderful than any other living creature, and as they gazed upon him their eyes seemed fascinated, as if held by a spell. Zog's face was the face of a man, except that the tops of his ears were pointed like horns, and he had small horns instead of eyebrows, and a horn on the end of his chin. In spite of these deformities, the expression of the face was not unpleasant or repulsive. His hair was carefully parted and brushed, and his mouth and nose were not only perfect in shape, but quite handsome. Only the eyes betrayed Zog and made him terrible to all beholders. They seemed like coals of glowing fire, and sparkled so fiercely that no one ever cared to meet their gaze for more than an instant. Perhaps the monster realized this, for he usually drooped his long lashes over his fiery eyes to shut out their glare. Zog had two well-shaped legs which ended in the hooves of beasts. Instead of feet, these hooves were shod with gold. His body was a shapeless mass covered with richly embroidered raiment, over which a great robe of cloth of gold fell in many folds. This robe was intended to hide the magician's body from view, but Trot noticed that the cloth moved constantly in little ripples, as if what lay underneath would not keep still. The best features of which Zog could boast were his arms and hands, the latter being as well-formed, as delicate and white as those of a well-bred woman. When he spoke, his voice sounded sweet and clear. Its tones were very gentle. He had given them a few moments to stare at him, for he was examining them in turn, with considerable curiosity. "'Well,' he said, "'do you not find me the most hateful creature you have ever beheld?' The queen refrained from answering, but Trot said promptly, "'We do!' Nothing could be more horrider or more disgustinger than you are, it seems to me. Very good, very good indeed, 
declared the monster, lifting his lashes to flash his glowing eyes upon her. Then he turned toward Captain Bill. "'Manfish,' he continued, "'what do you think of me?' "'Mighty little,' the sailor replied. "'You ought to be ashamed of yourself to ask such a question, "'knowing you look worse than the devil himself.' "'Very true,' answered Zog, frowning. "'He felt that he had received a high compliment, "'and the frown showed he was pleased with Captain Bill. "'But now Aqua Rain advanced to a position in front of their captor and said, "'Tell me, Zog, why have you trapped us and brought us here?' "'To destroy you,' was the quick answer, "'and the magician turned for an instant to flash his eyes upon the beautiful mermaid. "'For two hundred years I have been awaiting a chance to get within my power "'some friend of Onko the Sea Serpent, of Onko whom I hate,' he added, smiling sweetly. When you left your palace today, my swift spies warned me, and so I sent the sea devils to capture you. Often have they tried to do this before, but always failed. Today, acting by my command, they tricked you, and by surrounding you, forced you to the entrance of my enchanted castle. The result is a fine capture of important personages. I have now in my power the queen and princess of the fairy mermaids, "'as well as two wandering earth people, "'and I assure you I shall take great enjoyment "'in destroying you utterly.' "'You are a coward,' declared the Queen proudly. "'You dared not meet us in the open ocean.' "'No, I dared not leave this castle,' Zog admitted, still smiling. "'But here, in my own domain, my power is supreme. "'Nothing can interfere with my vengeance.' "'That remains to be seen,' said Aquarain, firmly meeting the gaze of his terrible eyes. "'Of course,' he answered, nodding his head with a graceful movement. "'You will try to thwart me and escape. You will pitch your fairy power against my powers of magic. This will give me great pleasure, for the more you struggle, the greater will be my revenge.' "'But why should you seek revenge upon us?' asked Clea. "'We have never harmed you.' "'That is true. I bear you no personal ill-will, but you are the friends of my great enemy, King Onko, and it will annoy him very much when he finds out that you have been destroyed by me. I cannot hurt the rascally old sea-serpent himself, but through you I can make him feel my vengeance.' "'The mermaids have existed for thousands of years,' said the queen in a tone of pride. "'Do you imagine the despised and conquered Zog has the power to destroy them?' "'I do not know,' was the quiet, chilling answer. "'It will be interesting, though, to discover which is more powerful.' "'I challenge you to begin the test at once, vile magician!' exclaimed Aquarain. "'There is no hurry, fair queen,' answered Zog in his softest tones. "'I have been so many years in accomplishing your capture "'that it is foolish to act hastily now. "'Besides, I am lonely. "'Here in my forced retirement I see only those uninteresting earth-mortals "'whom I have made my slaves, "'for all the sea-dwellers are forbidden to serve me, 
save the sea devils, and they dare not enter my castle. I have saved many mortals from drowning, and brought them here to people my castle, but I do not love mortals. Two lovely mermaids are much more interesting, and before I allow you to perish, I shall have much amusement in witnessing your despair and your struggles to escape. You are now my prisoners. By slow degrees I shall wear out your fairy powers and break your hearts, as well as the hearts of these earth-dwellers who have no magic powers, and I think it will be a long time before I finally permit you to die. That's all right, said Trot cheerfully. The longer I live, the better I'll be satisfied. That's how I feel about it, added Captain Bill. Don't get in a hurry to kill us, Sog. It'll be such a wear and tear on your nerves. Just take it easy and let us live as long as we can. Don't you care to die? asked the magician. It's a thing I never longed for, the sailor replied. You see, we had no business to go on a trip with the mermaids to begin with, and I've always heard tell that mermaids is dangerous, and no one as met him ever lived to tell the tale. Eh, Trot? That's what you said, Captain Bill. So I guess we're done for one way or another, and it don't matter much which. But Trot's a good child, and mighty young and tender, and it don't seem like her time has come to die. I'd like to have her sent home safe to her mother. So I've got this ear proposition to make, Zog. If your magic could make me die twice, or even three times for good measure, why, you go ahead and do it and I won't complain. All I ask is for you to send this little girl back to dry land again. Don't you do it, Zog, cried Trot indignantly, and turning to Captain Bill, she added, I'm not going to leave you down here in all this mess, Captain, and don't you think it. If one of us gets out of this muddle we're in, we're both going to get out. So don't you make any bargains with Zog to die twice. Zog listened to this conversation very carefully. The dying does not amount to much, he said. It is the thinking about it that hurts you mortals most. I've watched many a shipwreck at sea, and the people would howl and scream for hours before the ship broke up. Their terror was very enjoyable, but when the end came they all drowned as peacefully as if they were going to sleep, so it didn't amuse me at all. I'm not worrying, said Trot. Nor me, said Captain Bill. You'll find we can take what comes just as easy as anybody. I do not expect to get much fun from you poor mortals, said Zog carelessly. You are merely a sideshow to my circus, a sort of dessert to my feast of vengeance. When the time comes, I can find a hundred ways to kill you. My most interesting prisoners are these pretty mermaids, who claim that none of their race has ever yet died or been destroyed. The first mermaid ever created is living yet, and I am told she is none other than Queen Aquarain. So I have a pretty problem before me, to invent some way to destroy the mermaids, or put them out of existence. And it will require some thought. Also, it will require some power you do not possess, suggested the queen. That may be, replied Zog softly, but I am going to experiment. 
and I believe I shall be able to cause you a lot of pain and sorrow before I finally make an end of you. I have not lived twenty-seven thousand years, Aquarine, without getting a certain amount of wisdom, and I am more powerful than you suspect. You are a monster and a wicked magician, said the Mermaid Queen. I am, agreed Zog, but I cannot help it. I was created part man, part bird, part fish, part beast, and part reptile, and such a monstrosity could not be otherwise than wicked. Everyone hates me, and I hate everybody. Why don't you kill yourself? asked Trot. I've tried that, and failed, he answered. Only one being in the world has the power to destroy me, and that is King Onko, the sea serpent. Then you'd better let him do it, advised the little girl. No. Much as I long to die, I cannot allow King Onko the pleasure of killing me. He has always been my worst enemy, and it would be such a joy to him to kill me that I really cannot allow it. Indeed, I have always hoped to kill Onko. I have now been three thousand six hundred forty-two years, eleven months and nine days, figuring out a plan to destroy old Onko, and as yet I have not discovered a way. I'd give it up if I were you, advised Trot. Don't you think you could get some fun from trying to be good? No, cried Zog and his voice was not so soft as before. Listen, Aquarine, you and your attendants shall be prisoners in this castle, until I can manage to stop you from living. Rooms will be placed at your disposal, and I wish you to go to them at once. I am tired of looking at you. You're no more tired than we are, murked Trot. It's lucky you can't see yourself, Zog. He turned his glowing eyes full upon her. The worst of my queer body I keep concealed, he said. If you ever see it, you will scream with terror. He touched a bell beside him, and the girl was surprised to find how clearly its tones rang through the water. In an instant, the boy, Sako, appeared and bowed low before his dreadful master. "'Take the mermaids and the child to the rose chamber,' commanded Zog. "'Take the old man-fish to the peony room.' Sako turned to obey. "'Are the outer passages well guarded?' asked the monster. "'Yes, as you have commanded,' said the boy. "'Then you may allow the prisoners to roam at will throughout the castle. "'Now, go!' The prisoners followed Sako from the room, glad to get away. The presence of this evil being had grown oppressive to them, and Zog had himself seemed ill at ease during the last few minutes. The robe so closely wound around his body moved jerkily as if something beneath disturbed it, and at such times Zog shifted nervously in his seat. Sako's thin little legs trotted through the water and led the way into a different passage from the one by which they had entered. They swam slowly after him, and breathed easier when they had left the golden-domed chamber where their wicked enemy sat enthroned. 
Well, how do you like him? asked Sokka with a laugh. We hate him, declared Trot emphatically. Of course you do, replied Sokko. But you're wasting time hating anything. It doesn't do you any good or him any harm. Can you sing? A little, said Trot. But I don't feel like singing now. Well, you're wrong about that, the boy asserted. Anything that keeps you from singing is foolishness, unless it's laughter. Laughter, joy, and song are the only good things in the world. Trot did not answer this queer speech, for just then they came to a flight of stairs, and Sako climbed up them, while the others swam, and now they were in a lofty, broad corridor, having many doors hung with seaweed draperies. At one of these doors Sako stopped and said, Here is the rose chamber, where the master commands you to live until you die. You may wander anywhere in the castle as you please. To leave it is impossible. Whenever you return to the rose chamber, you will know it by this design of roses, sewn in pearls upon the hangings. The peony room, where the man fishes to live, is the next one farther on. Thank you, replied Queen Aquarain. Are we to be fed? Meals will be served in your rooms. If you desire anything, ring the bell, and some of the slaves will be sure to answer. I am mostly in attendance upon my master, but whenever I am at liberty, I will look after your comfort myself. Again they thanked the strange boy, and he turned and left them. They could hear him whistle and sing as he returned along the passage. Then Princess Clea parted the curtains that her queen and companions might enter the Rose Chamber.